we need to stop right there and just recenter on that. Because everything else flows out of it. Everything else flows out of the gospel. What, what it's done for us, not just this intellectual understanding that Jesus died and rose again, but like why he did that was for you and me. But he was perfect and deserved none of it. And what we deserved was eternal separation from God in, in like eternal death in hell. Like that's what we deserved. Like we deserved the, the lake of fire where like the fire never quenches, it never goes out. Like that is what we deserve because of our sin against a holy and perfect God. And he loved us and calls us dearly loved children to the point where he died for us. What? Everything else flows out of that. Welcome to Better Equipped. I'm Cody Balch, and we're going to continue working through the book of Ephesians. We land in chapter 5, verse 1 today. We're going to go through verse 20. And really, the last episode, really, Paul, the Apostle Paul was talking to the church at Ephesus, talking to the people of God, like you and I, who uh, he's just really laying out what does it look like uh, characteristically to be the people of God. And so if you missed the last episode, it really flows in this because there wasn't a chapter five marker right in that point. So we're going to jump right in with chapter one. You'll hear me mention what we just talked about a little bit, but um, he, he jumps into chapter five, verse one with this. He says, follow God's example, therefore, like, like this is, this is the example we're supposed to follow. So you got to think right now. Okay. Like, I think you should actively think. Whose example am I trying to follow? Who am I trying to emulate? And either if you don't know the answer or it's not Jesus, then you need to adjust it, okay? Um, now, there are people of God that you can emulate. Not, not, um, not that they are perfect. And, and the Apostle Paul talks about this. There are people, the people of God, there are people that you can look up to, model your life after those who are pursuing Christ with a whole heart. Um, and, and so that's okay. But really, you need to understand that even the Apostle Paul was trying to model his life after Christ. He was trying to stay in step with the Spirit of God himself. And so it's ultimately Christ, obviously, is our, our perfect example. And so he says, uh, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. We are like, don't gloss over that. We are dearly loved children of God. <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, I am not worthy to be called that. Like, I, like, do you understand how crazy it is? What we've done, think, think about all your sin in your entire life, all of it. Christ died for that and he wants to call you his son or daughter. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. Like, do not gloss over that. And we are dearly loved children. We're not like, you know, the redheaded stepchildren, which I am one of those in, in my life. Like, I, I like, literally. But, um, like, we are not like, you know, ah, the son or daughter that, that just kind of like, yeah, you get, go live in the dungeon. Like, no, like we are dearly loved. We get to, we get to spend all of eternity. Our inheritance is eternity with God in full perfection in heaven. Like, wow. Like 
That's incredible. As dearly loved children. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. It's contrasting certain things he just mentioned. You know, anger, bitterness, and rage, and malice, and slander, and all these other things. Like, you know, walk in the way of love the way Christ showed us that. His example. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The death we deserved, he paid through his life on the cross. Amen? Like, man, that's incredible. Don't take that for granted. Like, if if you've just been glossing over that in your life, I know I keep using that term, but like, if you've been missing this, if you've, if you've not, if every day just feel like you need to drop your knees and just thank God, that he has loved us through his sacrifice on the cross to buy us back, to pay for our sins. The gospel, the gospel doesn't grip our hearts every day. Like we need to like, we need to stop right there and just recenter on that because everything else flows out of that. Everything else flows out of the gospel. What, what it's done for us, not just this intellectual understanding that Jesus died and rose again, but like why he did that was for you and me. That he was perfect and deserved none of it. And what we deserved was eternal separation from God in, in like eternal death in hell. Like that's what we deserved. Like we deserved the, the lake of fire where like the fire never quenches. It never goes out. Like that is what we deserve because of our sin against a holy and perfect God. And he loved us and calls us dearly loved children to the point where he died for us. What? Everything else flows out of that. Our why, our why do we sacrificially live? Our why do we deny ourselves and take up our cross daily to follow Jesus is because of this. It all is because of this. So why not have obscene foolish talk or, or why not have unwholesome talk come out of our mouths or, or why not whatever? And why not, why say no to sexual immorality? It's because of this. So as he keeps going, you got to keep that in your, in your heart and your not just in your mind, in your heart. Okay. He says, because in verse three, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Okay, I'm going to pause there. I know there's more that's coming and the same principle applies. But, but among you, okay, even though God's forgiveness is great and it is true, that is not a license to start compromising and allowing sin into our lives. He talks about sexual immorality. Why? Because this biblically and now, I don't know if you realize this, but sexual morality is not new. It may seem on our face, uh, but that's not new either in history, okay? So like in recent history in the United States, it's kind of grown and being more in our face. But at the time of the Apostle Paul in Ephesus, uh, they had like temples with prostitutes. And the way you worship this God is by having sex with prostitutes. Like seriously, like this was in their face and it was celebrated. It was, it was something that was considered um, spiritual and religious and how you connect with the gods and euphoria and like all this stuff. And you got to understand that the apostle Paul saying, no, 
Not so with Christ, the one true God. Listen, there, like among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual morality. And so the analogy I use is, is uh, rat poison, okay? Let's say you take a box of rat poison and, and you empty it out and you, you, you dip it in chocolate, okay? And, and how much would I be able to convince you to eat if, if I said, here's some chocolate-covered rat poison, no, like just like, okay, just a little bit, like a little bit, like a little bit is going to, you know, no. Okay. Okay. What if, um, what if I give you a beautiful plate of, of spaghetti and I hand it to you or whatever your favorite food is. And I say, don't worry, there's just a little bit of arsenic in it. There's just a little bit of anthrax in it. It's, it's, it's just a, like, it's like point zero zero five percent of anthrax inside your favorite food. You're saying, no, I don't even want a hint of of arsenic or anthrax in my food. I don't want any rat poison in my food. How much sexual sexual immorality is okay? Not even a hint of it. Just like you don't want a hint of poison in your food or in your water. You don't want a hint of sexual immorality in your heart or mind. He's going to go on. I mean, like, do, do, do you get that? Like, is this, it's not just like, don't look at porn. Don't, don't commit adultery and sleep with somebody. Like, no, like, don't even let there be a hint of sexual immorality. And then he continues. Or, and so continuing that same principle, or of any kind of impurity. Okay, so it's like, okay, not just sexuality. Not just sexual immorality, which again, sexual immorality biblically is any anything sexual outside of the confines of a man and a wife, a husband and a wife in marriage. Okay, so that's that's all kind that's covering everything. Again, this giant umbrella that covers any any sexuality outside of the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, the way God created it. Everything else is sexual immorality. Do not let there even be a hint of sexual morality among you or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper, out of place for God's holy people. It doesn't belong. It's not in alignment. It's not congruent with the spirit of God inside of the people of God. It's not congruent with the character of Christ. It's just not. And so we can't even, we can't, um, and here's, here's why he says, I do believe even this hint of sexual morality. We, we oftentimes can be like, well, we start comparing, right? And the Paul, apostle Paul talks about this in other letters, comparing ourselves to other, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Well, I'm not as bad as I used to be. Well, I don't, well, it wasn't really porn. It wasn't, it wasn't really this. It wasn't really that. And, and we start like compromising. But how are you doing with greed? How much greed is okay? You say, well, I'm just, I'm just, no, no, no. Like how much, how much of this stuff really makes it its way into our heart and it doesn't, it's, it's out of place. It's improper for God's holy people. Verse four, nor should there be obscenity. Okay. Both just in the way in actions and in speech, there shouldn't be obscenity. Okay, so that could be anything from what you say to how you dress to actions you do. Like, 
online, offline, doesn't matter. There should not be obscenity, foolish talk. I mean, you can think of that as a lot of things, but like this locker room type of language, this, this kind of boys will be boys. No, they, no. It's, it's out of place for the people of God, for the holy people of God, it says. Foolish talk or coarse joking. Like, are you getting it? Like, you know, like he's, he's really not leaving us any wiggle room here. Okay, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Like instead of all these things, replace it with thanksgiving. Like what? Like that's a huge change. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus. You're like, you're like, I'm so occupied in my mind with what God, the creator of heavens and the earth has done for me. This holy and majestic God, the sovereign God and his glory. I cannot gaze upon his glory without being killed in this life, in this body. Like his glory is so great that no one can see him with these eyes until we receive those new bodies in our eternal life with God. Like, like we, he is so holy that his presence will literally make a shudder. He's, he's chosen to love us, forgive us pay the price of our wrongdoing, our sin through his life, replace it with thanksgiving. Man, that's powerful. Like that is so serious that that's the way, like, man, like we are, we get so distracted by our flesh and the things of this world. Verse five, for of this, you can be sure. Okay. All these things that he's talking about for of this, you can be sure no immoral, impure or greedy person such a person is an idolater, okay? An idol worshiper, okay? None of these people, the, the, the immoral, impure, or greedy person, this, these idol worshipers, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Whoa, like that's serious, right? Like if you're living and you're giving yourself to these things unrepentantly, he says that, that you do not have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Okay. This we're talking serious. Like he says, I'm not fooled. God's like, I am not fooled by your heart and your love for other things. It's, it's adultery. It's idol worship. You're serving other gods, lowercase G. Okay. There is one true God and only one of them deserves your affections and your praise and your worship, your devotion and your loyalty. And that anything else is unfit for what Christ has done for us, our creator and our savior. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Okay. And if you're listening, if you might be listening and you're like, man, like I've got sin in my life, you know, like repent. We're talking about people who are unwilling to surrender that and repent that repent of that and hand it over to the Lord and say, God, this isn't of you. I want your character in my life. I want, I want your heart in my heart. I want it to be replaced with the new self and not the old self, the flesh that, that is corrupt with its evil desires. I need you, God, the wrath of God for, because of such things, the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. There's a difference between knowing people who live this way or working with people, meaning at work, and becoming partners with them. 
being partakers with them, being like them, giving them influence in your life. Follow God's example, not their example. Look like Christ and the Spirit of God and not the people of this world who are not living for Jesus Christ. He says that you need to understand this is life or death stuff. Where is your loyalty found? Where is it placed? What do you look like? Stop looking like the world. For, verse 8, for you were once darkness. Not you were once living in darkness. For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Does your life look like light? Or are you still living darkness? Live as children of the light, he says, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Again, remember, righteousness is this, the right living before God, a right standing before God. Say, live as children of the light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. What comes out of you should be, you know, in your heart, mind, and words, actions should be truth, should be Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. Make it your pursuit to find out what pleases the Lord. Like, be obsessed with it. Like, and I mean that in the best way possible. Be obsessed with God, what pleases you. Not not to like make yourself filled with anxiety, but like, God, my pursuit, my heart, my desires for my life to please the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord, not the flesh. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, as opposed to the, the fruit of the, of the light that he just mentioned, of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, like put them into the light, put them into the truth and the goodness and righteousness of God. It is shameful, verse 12, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Okay, like he's, he's saying, like, don't celebrate these things. Don't, don't revel in these things. Don't, it, it's like, these should be so far outside of the place for the, the holy people of God. Verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Ooh, okay. Okay. The Bible's pretty clear that what is done in secret and in darkness will be exposed. Um, what we think we've gotten away with is known by God and it will be seen clearly. A good tree produces good fruit. And, and if that's even potentially unclear in this life, when judgment day comes, it will be clear where your loyalty, where it laid. Was it with the Lord? Was your loyalty to Jesus as Lord and master? Or was it to your cravings and desires of your flesh and the things of this world? But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Have you been illuminated? Have you allowed the light of Christ to illuminate you so that you too can become a reflection of him, illuminated and becoming a light to those around you? Have you been illuminated by the spirit of God living inside you that's radiating out of you to others? This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Wake up. Repent. Stop living in the deeds of darkness. Stop living in, in death. And the, 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 the deeds of death. Our old self that is dead. 
And let the resurrection of Christ lift you up and let, let it shine his life, his light on you. And the, verse 15, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You need to understand, like, this is nothing to play around with. Our life is very, very short in the scheme of eternity, and we don't know when the end of our life is going to come. Literally, everybody agrees on that. We do not know when the end will come. So you got to be ready. You got to be watchful. You got to be wise, not unwise, but wise, because the days are evil. Don't be consumed by it. Don't think you're getting away with something. Like God is all seeing and all knowing and he loves you and he forgave you by dying on the cross for those who live repentantly and surrender to him. But you need to understand that day is coming and deeds will be exposed, whether good or bad. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish and think that he's not seeing this. Understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, okay? Like, don't be filled with, with wine, which, which, which uh, and, you know, alcohol, which, which can uh, make our judgments you know, so, so um, impaired. But instead, be filled with the Spirit, He says, and he says this, speaking to one another, verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. This Thanksgiving, replace it with Thanksgiving. Always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender to Jesus. He's for you. He calls you his son and his daughter. He's died for you. But, but listen, if you truly understand the gospel, what he's done for you, it progressively changes you. That, that, that justification by the blood of Jesus starts to lead to sanctification, transformation, change in your life because you you want to know the will of the Lord. You want to know what pleases the Lord. You want to you know, God, how do, I, how do I look more like you? How do I shine your light more accurately, more brightly to the world around me? God, I'm filled with such gratitude for what you've done that I cannot live any other way. And when I fail, when I don't live up to the standard of who you are and your example, God, your, your grace is sufficient, but I'm coming back to you. I'm turning back to you. And I don't even want there to be a hint of anything that's of me, God. I want, I want there to be only you. Is this what you're aiming at? Not, not maybe what you're yeah, obviously perfectly living into, but is this what you're aiming at? Have you just decided that you've, you kind of give up on some of those things? Maybe it's a certain area of your life that you say, I don't know, I'm just not gonna try. I'm just done trying. I, maybe I never tried. You need to understand that because of these things, because of our sin, the wrath of God is coming. But listen, he has satisfied the wrath of God through his death on the cross for anyone who will live as though he is truly Lord and Master. And so, 
what is proper for the holy people of God. What's in alignment with what is, what is you know, in conformity with the example of Christ. This is what we aim at. This is what we desire. And so I'm praying that your desires, if, if anything needs shifted in your desires to please the Lord and, and, and find out what, what is the will of the Lord in every area of your life, I'm praying that your desires will shift, that you'll have a repentant heart to, to stop, to, to desire to stop doing those things that aren't in alignment with the Spirit of God and His example, the, Christ, the example of Christ, and that you will turn toward striving after, desiring after what pleases the Lord. I know this is tough truth, but it's, it's, it's powerful, it's important for us to, to understand this, to not be deceived by anything else than this. And this is what, this is a part of what it means to follow Jesus, to be a Christian, to be a son or daughter of the King of Kings. And so, listen, God loves you. I love you and I, wanna, I just wanna share that truth with you. And I'm praying that, if, again, if there's anything I can encourage you with, reach out to me. Um, but listen, let's turn our hearts, our desires, our affections to the Lord. And let's make sure he has our whole heart. May there not even be a hint of our fleshly desires whether it be sexual morality or impurity or greed or coarse joking or anything else that anything else that is contrary to what it means to be the people of God pursuing holiness and righteousness truth and walking in the way of love may that be what we are all about uh, this next episode that we'll head into next talks about it, husbands and wives and what it looks like for that to be living holy and and and, um, and how that represents Christ in the church. And so I'm excited to dive into that. A lot of misunderstandings that people often have with that passage. So I hope you'll join us next time and we'll see you on the next episode.